Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Good morning, my friends, and welcome back to yet another episode of Everyday Truth. For those of you that are watching the uh, video uh, portion of this this podcast, you see that I'm overdressed for the occasion today, but I do have... uh, an activity today that requires for me to be in a suit and tie. So that's why I'm a little bit uh, overdressed for today. Thanks for uh, joining us. We're in, excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 16 today, brand new chapter, and really an amazing command that the Lord gives to Jeremiah. Unusual. Look at it. Jeremiah chapter 16 and verse number one The word of the Lord came also unto me, saying, now now watch what God tells Jeremiah not to do. Verse number two, thou shalt not take thee a wife, neither shalt thou have sons or daughters in this place. What a command. So God is saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, don't get married. Don't have children. Now, can you imagine that? Here you are, you're a relatively young man, a Jeremiah is, and everybody, I think, naturally has a desire one day to meet that person, uh, to spend life in companionship with that dear uh, spouse. I can't imagine my, lo- my life without marriage, without my wife, Wanda, and I can't even imagine that. And yet the Bible says here that God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, don't get married, don't have children. Now, is that God's normal command? Is that his normal expectation for people? Of course not. In fact, the Bible says in in Genesis chapter number two that it is not good that man should be alone. And God made woman, remember the whole original creation, man and woman, male and female created he them. And God instituted marriage. And God's general opinion of the single life is that it's not good. Now, does that mean that if you're one of our listeners today and you're single, that you're out of the will of God? Of course not. And certainly, there are other passages of Scripture and even examples that help us to know that the single life uh, is sometimes God's calling for people. Uh, God does call people to singleness, but that's not normal. That's not that. That's not the majority. That's a, that's a small minority. Uh, Paul was among uh, that minority, and he talked about that in First Corinthians chapter seven. And he tried to encourage fellow single people by saying, "Listen, if you're single, don't don't lament the fact that that's where you are in life, but celebrate the fact that you have more discretionary time." Uh, you can serve the Lord in some ways unencumbered by some of these additional relational responsibilities. And so look at it as I'm going to serve God through the positives of my present calling and not lament the negatives of it. Same thing with being married. If you're married, don't seek to be single. If you're single, don't seek to be married. Let every man abide in the same calling where any is called. That's a whole separate uh 
message, I guess, and there are some extenuating circumstances, and there's a whole passage about divorce and remarriage. And if you're interested in that, go go to our our website at Faith uh, Baptist Virginia, faithva.org, uh, faithva.org. And if you go under the sermon section and find my series on the fractured church, uh, the series I did on the book of 1 Corinthians, you'll listen to three really important messages from 1 Corinthians chapter 7 on the topic of marriage and singleness. And I really tried to dissect that passage. And if you struggle with things like that, then listen to those messages. I think they'll really, really help you. But to be that as it may, why is God telling Jeremiah, don't get married? Why is God saying to Jeremiah, don't have children? Well, the reason is because the, the nation is going to face judgment. And God is using the prophet and his marital status or lack of status to indicate to a nation just how bad things are. How so? Well, look at verse number three. For thus saith the Lord, concerning the sons and concerning the daughters that are born in this place, and concerning their mothers that bear them, and concerning their fathers that begat them in this land, they shall die of grievous deaths. So one of the reasons why I want you to symbolize to this nation how bad things are going to get is by don't get married, don't have kids, because it's not going to, this is not going to be a good place to live for children. The, the, the sons and daughters that are even now being born in Judah are the same ones that are going to die in battle or die in famine or being or be taken captive uh, to a, a an enemy's country. Uh, the same mothers that are bearing children are mothers that are going to watch this happen or die themselves. And so Jeremiah, as an example to the people to whom you're preaching, don't get married, don't have children. And that will be a strong nonverbal message to everybody about the gravity of what's happening. Because I'm sure there was on the part of some people, we've already seen this uh, a couple chapters ago, the colleagues of Jeremiah in his own hometown of Anathoth were saying that Jeremiah's message was doom and gloom and it wasn't from God and the majority of people didn't agree with him. And so one of the ways by which Jeremiah's message would be given weight or given a big fat exclamation point was through this. Wow, Jeremiah must really believe what he's saying because he's refusing to get married. A Jeremiah must really believe what he's saying because he refuses to have children. So that tells me, wow, the strength of his conviction is such that we better listen. Sometimes people listen better when they see in the preacher the reality of his conviction rather than just hear the volume or the eloquence of the preacher in proclaiming that truth, such as the case here with Jeremiah. Look at verse number uh, three again. Uh, I'm sorry, verse number four again. They, that's the children, they shall die of grievous deaths. They shall not be lamented. No one's going to cry for them in a formal way. Neither shall they be buried, but they shall be as dung refuse, animal waste, upon the face of the earth, like you walk across a cow pasture and there's cow patties, right? The whole point is people are going to die in battle. 
It's going to be horrible. They'll die grievous deaths. And their bodies will just lay there to be eaten by the the vultures, to rot uh, in a a shameful way on the ground, like dung on the earth. And the Bible says here, dung upon the face of the earth. They shall be consumed by the sword, by famine, and their carcasses shall be meat for the fowls, the birds, the vultures of the heaven, and for the beasts of the earth. Well, we've talked about this already, but what a vivid picture and what a strong reason as to why God would say to Jeremiah, don't you get married? Don't you have children? Because people that are married and have children are just increasing the potential of their great sorrow because of what's going to inevitably happen. Look at verse number five. For thus saith the Lord, Enter not into the house of mourning. Okay, so in verse number two, don't get married. Don't have children. Okay, verse number five, don't mourn. Don't participate in paying your respects to and grieving with those that have lost loved ones. See what it says? Enter not into the house of mourning. Neither go to lament nor bemoan them. For I have taken away my peace from this people, saith the Lord, even loving kindness and mercies. So as judgment begins to unfold, as people begin to suffer for the grievous sins and the rejection of God, as the consequences begin to come into place, that Jeremiah, don't go to the funeral home, uh, don't you wear a black suit, Uh, Don't cry with them. Don't pay your respects. Don't go to the house of mourning. Why? Because they have chosen this path. And so don't validate their sorrow by being there for them. Now, what is God telling us? Is God saying, don't grieve with those that grieve? And this person that died, died uh, because of bad decisions he made. So we shouldn't grieve with the family. That's not it at all. The point here is that Jeremiah is the mouthpiece of God. And so his behavior needs to reflect what God has been saying and the attitude of God toward this. And God is pulling out his gracious invitation for God's people to repent. He's pulling away the loving kindness that he's expressed for all of these many years, the goodness of God that should have led them to repentance. And now he's saying, no, you have refused and refused and refused. I'm weary of repenting. Now, the only message you will hear is the message of judgment. So Jeremiah, don't get married, don't have kids. It's going to be bad for them. Jeremiah, don't go to the house of mourning. I don't want them to think in any way, shape, or form that they do not deserve this because they do. Verse number six, both the great and the small shall die in this land. In other words, the invasion, the famine, the pestilence, the sword, uh, the enemy, it will not, there will be, there will be no difference between the rich and the poor the famous or the not famous, uh, the, the, the great and, and, the, and those that, um, uh, how does it say here, the great and the small. I mean, death is the great equalizer. They will all taste of this judgment. Verse number six, they shall not be buried. Neither shall men lament for them, nor cut themselves, nor make themselves bald for them. 
So what does that mean? That means there's coming a day when judgment will be so widespread and death will be so common and that bodies will be strewn everywhere that people won't have time to bury the dead, which was a great shame. And that people will be so numb to and death will be so widespread. There won't even be time for the traditional times of mourning. People will just be running for their lives. So Jeremiah, one of the reasons why now you're not to go to the house of mourning is because you are symbolizing what will be true later of everyone. There will be no houses of mourning. There will be no process by which bodies will be buried and respect will be given and time will be given for people to to grieve over. No, there's coming a time when people will not cut themselves. They will not shave their heads. Say, what does that mean? Well, back in Bible days, there were various ways by which people would express their mourning, not just sackcloth and ashes, but sometimes they would mimic the ways by which the pagans, the heathen would mourn the dead. And that sometimes was through a process of cutting oneself to show pain and blood or shaving the head or shaving the beard. Now, again, these weren't God-prescribed ways of mourning, but these were things that the nation of Judah was doing. And all, all Jeremiah is saying, all God is saying to Jeremiah is, and there's coming a day when they won't be mourning for the loss of loved ones. Verse number seven, neither shall men tear themselves for them in mourning, to comfort them for the dead, neither shall men give them the cup of consolation to drink for their father or for their mother. And all of that is simply saying the traditional means of mourning for people will not be employed. Why? Because death will be widespread. Uh, People will be fearing for their own lives. Many people will already be gone. So Jeremiah, for now, don't get married. Don't have children. Don't go to the house of mourning. Because your life needs to not only be a verbal representation of this is coming, but you need to be living already as if it's here. Wow, the obligation of the communicator of God's word is huge because his obligation involved even things that were self-denying for himself. Think about this. Jeremiah lived his whole life like Daniel never was able to get married, forbidden by God to be married, just to to make a point about God's heart for his people. Wow, what obedience, what an example, and uh, what a teaching for you and me. Let's stop there, verse number seven. We'll jump into verse number eight next time. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.